Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We are glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally together. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Greetings to everyone participating with us and worshiping with us here today at First Baptist Belton. My name is Eddie Humphrey, and I'm the Minister of Childhood Education here. It's so great to be able to be with you this morning. You know, the events of the past three or four months have caused me to take time to consider, ponder, and reflect the total number of church bodies that I've had the chance to be involved with during my life of almost 49 years. The sum total of churches that I've participated in and grown in and served alongside is the total of seven, thus this part of my life. And I'm so thankful to God for him bringing me through different bodies of believers throughout the years. There's no other place I'd rather be today than here at First Baptist Belton with you. You know, when you look at our text today, Paul is writing this letter to multiple churches in the area of Galatia. Now, while I've never been a member of the church at Galatia, sadly and figuratively speaking, I have been a visitor or guest there. Have you? The struggle between living according to the law versus knowing and believing that I am justified by faith in Jesus Christ alone and thus living my life accordingly. The desire to live rightly, to conduct oneself justly, are goals to strive for each and every day. But what is your motivation? What is my motivation? Is it to save your soul? Or are you desiring to live a life pleasing to God because you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? The glory of the gospel is a sermon series in which we are taking part in right now. You know, some in the churches of Galatia were spreading false teaching. They were saying that a person is justified or they are made right by doing good works and by obeying the law. That is, someone becomes acceptable to God by subjecting herself, subjecting himself to Christ. But he also, she also must subject themselves to the law, to the rules of the day, and by always doing the very best that they can. All of this was deemed essential by these false teachers. You had to do all of it. The false teaching, in a small way, sounds sort of good to me, right? Doing the best I can. I mean, what can be wrong with that? Actually, a person should not only do the best he can in seeking God, but in everything he or she undertakes. However, Scripture, God's Word is very clear. Man is not justified by being good and doing good things. No matter how long your list is. Man just cannot do enough. Cannot be good enough to ever reach perfection. Therefore, man must become perfect if he is to live with God. This is what the confused teachers were spouting off to the listeners inside of these churches. But here comes Paul. Here comes Paul. He writes these multiple churches in the area a severe letter. Written in love, but severe, direct. He has no compliments for these people. 
His goal is to put the correct teachings in their ears and minds and to allow God to correct their hearts and their thinking. Look at what Paul says in chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. I mean, he is blown away. He is so surprised at the fact that they quickly turned away from the gospel. This is what it reads. I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. They turn from faith to legalism, which can still be a crisis today, I'm afraid. There is a difference in a to-do list. Where we strive to do our work as unto Lord, we strive to do our work as unto the Lord, to bring glory and honor to Him. And an I didn't list, or I didn't, I didn't do it list today. And because of my efforts, or because of my shortcomings, I'm either in good standing with God, or I'm not. So how then can a person become acceptable to God? By faith in Christ Jesus. When you believed or when you do believe in Jesus and establish a relationship with God, God honors you by counting you righteous. He credits your faith, your trust as righteousness. It is not a mental assent. It is not up here. But it is a spiritual commitment of your heart and life. All that one is, all that one has, all for Jesus. And when you and I fall short, when we miss the mark, when we sin against God, we seek Him. We ask forgiveness, we turn the other direction, and we live in freedom. Amen? The glory of the gospel. So how do we know that we are justified by faith and not by the law and by doing the very best we can? Because of what faith does for us. This morning... Before you turn off your device, before you eat breakfast, before you eat lunch or go for a walk, my hope, my prayer for you has been over the past four weeks of my preparation and getting ready for this weekend is that you as the hearers, the listeners, would learn what your faith in Jesus provides you. Number one, our faith in Christ frees us. You can look at verses 23 24 and 25. It frees us from the supervision of the law. There are three pictures that clearly illustrate this point. Let me share the first one with you. First of all, the law was a prison for man. The law shows man exactly where he fails. Exactly where he or she comes up short. There's no question about it. The law pres prescribes this as acceptable. But man does this over here instead. The failure... With the law is that it clearly spells out where we miss the mark. Just as clearly as the speed limit sign spells out the violation of the one with the heavy foot. The law accuses and condemns man. As soon as a person violates the law, guess what? The law immediately charges him. It weighs heavy on his mind. It cuts and convicts her heart. Guilt takes over and the perpetrator is troubled or bothered by varying degrees, dependent on the seriousness of the violation. The law has no life, no power to deliver man from the punishment due him. This is the whole point. 
The law reveals the shortcoming and points its finger at the individual and imprisons him. And the case of the law is endless. It is perpetual over and over again. You know, the only hope for a person caught up in these chains is for someone to appear on the scene with the power to release him. That someone has appeared. Jesus Christ has come to set us free. Accept his deliverance. The choice is ours. We can believe or not believe. We can trust or not trust in his power to deliver us. But indeed, the rescuer has already come. Number two, the law was a guardian or a teacher for man. The law was man's guardian to lead him to see his need, to see her need for Christ. In the time of Galatians, the role of the teacher or the guardian or tutor was the person that was put in charge of a child's overall welfare of their morals. But he had one particular duty, one job. He had one job that Paul was referring to. And this is what it was. Every day the guardian took the child to school and delivered him to the teacher. And then at the end of the day, guess what? He returned for the child and brought him safely back home. This was what the law was intended to do. The law was meant to lead man to Christ, the true teacher. And the law does this by showing man that he is utterly unable To secure righteousness by himself. One must look to Christ for acceptance by God. And the third picture is that the law kept man in bondage. But once faith in Christ occurs, there was and there is no need any longer for a guardian or tutor or teacher. Jesus alone brings us intimacy, brings us closeness in our relationship with God. It is the power of faith in Christ that truly frees man from the bondage of the law. So how do we know that we are justified by faith and not by observing the law and by doing the very best we can? Because faith makes us children of God. I love the sound of that. Let me read verses 26 and 27 again for us. It says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Jesus Christ brings us face to face with God. He stirs God to adopt us as his kids, as his children. How? By faith. By trust. Note two crucial points. Number one, faith causes us to focus upon God's son, Jesus Christ. It sets our mind on Jesus. You know, man can rest on one thing. God will accept anyone who focuses upon his son, Jesus Christ. For God loves his son to the ultimate degree. God is no less than any normal father who loves his child. In fact, God, of course, is so much more than man. He is perfect. Therefore, God loves his son with a perfect love. This simply means that God will honor any person that honors Jesus by believing and trusting him. If a person believes in Jesus for righteousness, then God will honor that man by counting him righteous. 
The point is this. The person who tries to become acceptable to God by the law and by doing the very best that they can all the time, the man who focuses upon the law and good works, that man or that woman keeps their mind upon the law and struggles daily to be good, to be good enough. At that point, God is not at the center and focus of his thoughts in life. The rules and the law and good works are. But the person who has faith in Jesus Christ focuses upon Christ. He honors God's Son, therefore God accepts His faith. The focus of His life is righteousness. The persons become acceptable to God. God actually accepts the person as a child of His. How is this possible? The answer is the subject of the following point. Faith clothes us with Christ, with His righteousness and sonship. This is the most wonderful truth. It's a beautiful truth. For it tells us that we can actually put on Christ Jesus. In the scripture, the phrase put on or clothe is the literal picture of putting on clothes. Putting your shirt on, putting your socks on, pulling up your pants, putting your dress on, of covering oneself. All that Christ is can cover us. When we are clothed with the righteousness of Jesus, God sees us in His Son and accepts us. Let me read three different passages, all from the New Testament, that highlight this reality. First, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, it reads like this. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. In Acts 13, verse 39, And through Him everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. The very law that we're speaking of. And then Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Picture this illustration. If my left hand wraps itself around my right index finger, what is seen? Can you see my right index finger? No, you see my left hand. Now, if my left hand represents Christ and my right finger represents me or represents you, feel free to do this in your home or wherever you're sitting, whatever you're doing, do this yourself. If this represents Christ, this represents you or me. When Christ covers us, what is seen? I can't see myself anymore. Do you see yourself? All I can see at this point is Christ. Because Jesus covers me. Look at verse 27 again. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Why did Paul switch from using the word believe to using the word baptism? Why did he not say, for all of you who have believed in Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ? Is Paul saying that a person is saved by baptism? Of course not. No. Any honest person knows that there are thousands and thousands of people who get wet and are baptized, and yet they live like the devil himself. 
Of course, Paul is, does not mean that it is baptism that causes God to clothe a person with Christ. Similarly, any honest person knows that there are thousands and thousands of people that profess a walking faith relationship with God through Jesus, and yet they live like the devil himself. What Paul is saying is what Scripture declares. A true believer fulfills all the righteousness of Christ, which includes baptism. The believer lives for Christ, and living for Christ includes the ordinance, that special ceremony that pictures his faith. Baptism and repentance are the first and immediate evidences of faith. Therefore, faith and baptism are closely linked together, so closely that Paul can speak of baptism as faith. I remember my baptism date. Do you remember yours? I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior and to come into my life as an eight-year-old sitting at the kitchen table in our apartment on November 23rd, 1980. I was baptized just a few weeks ago in a baptistry similar to ours on Sunday, December the 7th. I recall almost every minute of my day of salvation And I'd be glad to share those details. I'd be glad to story that for any of you at any time. Just ask me. I love talking about it. But I don't remember all of the nuances or details of my baptism weekend. What I do remember is the day before on Saturday. I remember my dad, who was also my pastor at the time, took me to the church for a practice run. Now to be very transparent... To be very real, to be very vulnerable with you, I did not need a practice run at the church in the baptistry. As a preacher's kid, the church building in the baptistry was my playground my entire life. I probably spent more time in the baptistry area racing crickets, skipping rocks, floating boats than most clergy persons out there. But my dad, he was probably just double checking everything. Before his son's big day. And he chose to include me. And I loved every second of it. You know, interestingly enough, when I think of baptism, the ordinance of baptism on a personal level, I do recall my special weekend. Uh, I recall the opportunities I've had to baptize my own children. But I oftentimes fondly remember the baptism of my younger brother. When I was 10 years old and my brother was 6... In October of 1982, he was baptized on one of the, on the same day as one of our cousins. Her name is Amy. Both my brother and my cousin were given special t-shirts at our after party, our after lunch that our family had together. And this t-shirt that they both received had on the front, it says, I am a child of the king. They had all kinds of photos taken at lunch. They had a joint photo together. And throughout all of these years, I've always remembered those photos. And as I have read and studied these passages over the past weeks, these verses clothed with Christ, the mental images, the snapshots of their big day came rushing back. And I recently visited my brother and his family. And we searched his closets. We went through boxes. We went through drawers And look what we found. We found a Polaroid picture. Do you have any Polaroids at your house? 
And if so, do you have writing on the back? This is what it reads on the back of this Polaroid. It says, November 7th, 1982, Jason's baptism. He accepted the Lord October 18th, 1982 in a Doug Hullum revival on a Monday, to be very specific. We continued to look, and guess what else we found? We found the actual t-shirt. Look at this right here. It says, I am a child of the king. It was as if both mothers were telling their children, you are now clothed with Christ. You are his. He has accepted you. You are in his family. Today, what are you clothed with? When people see you, do they see you or do they see Christ covering you? Are you clothed with Jesus today? How do we know that we are justified by faith and not by the law and doing the very best that we can? Because faith in Christ makes us one. Eliminating all distinctions, all prejudices. Let me look in verse 28 in our text. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Faith in Christ makes us one. This is a startling truth for some. Jesus Christ is the answer to all the prejudice, the bitterness, the hatred, the oppression and inequalities here on earth. How can he solve the divisions among men? Note the huge statement, you are all one in Christ. What is there about Jesus that makes us one? First of all, every believer, every single one of us that have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ because of his work, not ours, we stand on equal footing before Jesus, the footing of faith. No person is accepted for any other reason than faith. All persons who come to Christ come because they are ever so short of Jesus. Because they are ever so different than Jesus. Because they are ever so imperfect. Do you ever see yourself in in that division there? I hope you do. I do. Short of him, different than him, imperfect. That is me to a T. So when we look at another believer... And he or she differs from us. We do just what Jesus did for us. We love, accept, and embrace him. Differences do not matter. Secondly, every true believer loves and stands in Jesus Christ. Therefore, when we look at another believer, we see him in Christ. We do not see the believer, the person. We see Christ covering The believer. We pay no attention to his or her color, their nationality, their sex, their social status, or any other differences. When teaching my son all the time, in a more general sense of society at large, but of course also within the kingdom of God, this is what I teach him, one of my teachings. I tell my son all the time, I say, you show kindness, you show respect, you show love. You try to befriend any and all persons you come in contact with. At school, at church, at any other arena in life. 
no matter if they are tall or short, rich or poor, educated or not educated, good at basketball or not good at basketball, long hair, short hair, thin or hefty, fast or slow, differences just do not matter. All that matters is that we all grow into the image of Christ. Love, accept, and become more and more the brothers and sisters of God. Faith in Christ makes us one. Romans 10.12 says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on Him. In Proverbs 22.2, it says, The rich and poor have a common bond. The Lord is the maker of them all. How do we know that we are justified by faith and not by the law and by doing the best we can? Because faith in Christ makes us heirs of the promise. Verse number 29 says, And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Jesus is the heir of Abraham. So if a person is in Christ, then he inherits the promise made to Abraham. He inherits the promise of God's acceptance of righteousness and of living forever in the new heavens and the new earth as a son of God. Today, if you are a believer in Christ, all of which we have spoken about is already yours. You are free. You are a child of God. You are one with other Christians and you can claim all of God's promises. Today, if you are not a believer in Jesus, you can make that most important decision. Step out in faith. Acknowledge to God that you are a sinner and in need of forgiveness. You are tired of trying to accomplish and reaching salvation through perfection and that you desire for Jesus to be the supervisor, the leader of your life. If you go to God in prayer, He will meet you right where you are at. First Baptist Belton wants to come alongside you to support you in your new spiritual journey. There are methods that will be on your screen in just a moment where you can touch base with us and we will answer your call. In a moment, you will see this week's prayer points on the screen. I want to give you a moment or two to pause and reflect upon the scripture we've shared in together this morning. I would even encourage you to jot them down so that later today, throughout this week, you can ponder them, you can consider them. And in just a moment, I will return and we will close our time of corporate worship together. As we close, let's go back to the very beginning. How many churches have you been a part of in your life? How many different church memberships have you participated in? Have they all been in Texas? Surely not. Multiple states in America? Other churches around the globe? May the church at Galatia not be on that list. And if you find yourself figuratively speaking, figuratively visiting this church often, that is trying to live by good works and by seeking perfection in order to please God, make it a point to ask God to help you to stop. For we are justified by faith and not by the law or the rules of the day. Now as you turn off your device, as you 
eat breakfast, as you eat lunch, as you go for a walk, talk about your faith in God through Jesus and what it provides you. It is meant to free you. It is meant to make you a child of God. It makes you one with other believers and it makes you an heir of his promises. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, we do come before you in prayer today. We thank you for these words, however stern and direct that Paul was in the scripture. tells me that the, the listeners in the churches of Galatia needed to hear it, God. I know I've needed to hear it. God, I pray that you would use your power and might as we as a church body reflect upon these words today and throughout this week, Lord, that you would speak to the hearts of all the listeners God, and that they and that I would choose to live and walk by faith and trust, knowing that your son, Jesus Christ, is always enough. Lord, thank you for providing these things for us as we seek to live a life of faith with you. Thank you for your love and for this wonderful day of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to call the church at 254-939-0705 if you need prayer or if you just want to talk to somebody. We're here to listen. If you would like more information, visit our church website, fbcbelton.org. We're located at 506 North Main in Belton, Texas, and would love to see you soon.